Sometimes the song from our favorite films become the soundtrack to our own lives. And if we're lucky, it's a life where we overcome tragedy with a little comedy and a little romance. In this episode, we talk movies, music, and life in five songs with Barshiru co-founder and rom-com fanatic, Shireen Raza. Hello again, my friends. You're listening to Select 5, a show where you and I get to know creatives and community builders through a conversation about five songs that matter to them. I'm your host, Pam Torno, and my guest selector is one of the two creative minds behind Barshiru, the Bay Area's first hi-fi vinyl bar, the place Select 5 once used as our recording studio in pre-pandemic times. Um, if you're a regular listener, you know Dan Gar, Barshiru's co-owner and musical director, has been a frequent contributor to the show. This time... I get to chat with his better half, none other than Shiru herself, Shireen Raza. Uh, aside from being half the brains behind Bar Shiru, here are some fun facts about Shireen. She loves ranch dressing with her french fries. She's a former media attorney. She's a wonderful piano player. And she is something of an expert in romantic comedy films. And that's what brings her to Select Five today. Shireen, I had so much fun prepping for this episode That's awesome to hear. Um, Rom-coms can be quite uh, controversial sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I have to say that I'm, I'm not really, I wouldn't call myself a rom-com person at all. I actually had not seen most of your selections. So I actually had to spend time watching them this week and I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure if I was going to like, I mean, I thought I was going to have fun, but I was like, oh, it's going to be too dated. It's going to be cheesy. It's going to be whatever. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, we'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll save most of the discussion when we get into these songs. Um, but before we actually get into the list, I wanted to find out a little bit more because you and I, we've been good friends for a really long time. And I know that you're a rom-com fan, but I've never really had a deep conversation with you about it, about how you actually came to be a rom-com fan. So what was the first rom-com you remember seeing and falling in love with? Um, you know, I don't know if people would classify it traditionally as a rom-com, um, or rom-coms rather, but the first two movies that I really remember obsessing over as a child were, uh, Bollywood classics. One is Cubby Cubby and the other one is called Bobby. Obviously all Bollywood classics are heavily driven by the music. Um, they involve shenanigans, hijinks, drama, romance, of course. Um, and, and that was really, I think what, what set things off, um, and, and led me to also the American classics like Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, and Barefoot in the Park and, all of the kind of classic American romances with also amazing scores behind them. I've never seen a Bollywood film, whether rom-com or, or other genre. So what is the difference between a, an American rom-com and a Bollywood rom-com? Like, do they kind of follow the same formula where it's like a man and a woman or a couple and you know they're going to get together at the end, but there's a lot of conflict along the way before they do is there anything else to it that I mean yeah plot wise 100% identical there's not really more than one way to do a romance (laughs) film but the big the big difference with Bollywood films is the sheer length they're three and a half hours long which is insanity um and uh, although great way to keep a child occupied um 
And they also are musicals. Every single one is a musical. So, you know, you're talking about people breaking out into song and dance, you know, I would say roughly every 20 minutes. (laughs) Wow. So do you think a key to a great rom-com is a great soundtrack? And do you think that's because of your being raised on Bollywood films? Yes and no. Um, It was interesting when I was doing kind of my research for this episode and trying to nail down what are the iconic rom-com soundtracks and songs that really stick out to me and make me remember the film. It's funny, either the rom-com was really dated, even though it had an amazing soundtrack, Or, you know, it's an awesome rom-com, but has a lot of really cheesy songs in it that, you know, we probably all like behind the scenes and our guilty pleasures, but, you know, have a tough time admitting out loud. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I personally, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Me Um, me either, actually. I I think, you know, it's funny that you say that. We were listening to the... um, Questlove uh, Fresh Air interview, and he was talking about how songs like Can't Touch This, used to people used to scoff at them back in the day, and now they love it when he plays it on the dance floor. Um, he talked about that song Walking on Sunshine, which is just insanely, you know, objectively cheesy, but also makes, he had a great line. It was like, it's it's like a child getting more chicken fingers on their plate. <laughs> And I thought it was a really reassuring thing where it's like, yeah, you know, we all grew up on these like very poppy, cheesy songs at a time when music wasn't that accessible. Um, and you really relied on film and radio to to introduce you to music. And therefore, it's a lot narrower. And I think in post-pandemic times, we're all gravitating toward nostalgia and things from the past that are comforting. So you know, um, I, I agree with the point being, I agree with you that there's, there's not really guilty pleasures. It's like good music's good music. What makes you happy makes you happy. <laughs> exactly. And it's all about context too. Like, you know, when and how you're hearing it and what mood you're in. Um, so I wanted to ask you about the com to rom or the rom to com ratio <laughs> in your films. If you have a preference, um, do you like an equal balance or do you like more calm than rom, more rom than calm? Where do you fall? Is there is there even a spectrum for you? I wouldn't say there's a spectrum for me. Uh, you know, I think if, by way of example, Breakfast at Tiffany's doesn't have a lot of calm in it, but it's pretty romantic. Uh, but also, it, it's satirical, I would say. Um, but yeah, I don't have a balance with it. I think it's all about good writing and, you know, just hitting all of those emotions that you want to feel as you're going on the journey of love. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like you want to get right into it. Um, And I do too. So let's get started. Uh, You mentioned Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, The first song you selected is um, from Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is one of the most popular rom-coms of all time and enduring classic from 1961. Um, Let's take a little listen to Shireen's selection.
So that's a song called Loose Caboose. Uh, so the entire uh, Breakfast at Tiffany soundtrack was composed and conducted by Henry Mancini. Um, what I think is great about this is that you didn't choose the obvious selection, which is Moon River. Um, so tell me how you feel about Loose Caboose and the scene that it's in. I, uh, this is pro- this is definitely my favorite song off the album, even though, of course, Moon River just kind of hits at the heart and tugs those strings. Uh, the reason I chose is one of the things that I love about falling in love is that, you know, getting to know each other at a party and in a social gathering, sort of seeing how each other's navigating the scene without each other. And then when you come together, seeing how those sparks fly in the midst of like chaos and the party all around you. Um, and I think this song, not only do I love the name Loose Caboose, um, it just has so many layers to it of like, you know, getting loose at a party, but also getting loose in love. Um and yeah, I just, I just, it really, it, it really just evoked the fun of love to me. Um, and it's just such a funny, it's a hilarious scene in the movie. It's just. Oh, it's totally hilarious. I agree. The, the song is great. It's a great soundtrack to that scene because, you know, it's got that very sprightly rhythm. It's kind of, I guess, kind of cha-cha and it kind of captures the the chaoticness. And w- what's so great about the scene is that even though it's like 1961, so it's like mid-century glamour, but it's still inside this. She lives in this like one bedroom walk up. People are wall to wall and there's like crazy things that are happening that are completely out of context and, you know, snippets of a conversation that don't make sense. And like there's a near disaster that's averted where like one woman's hat catches on fire and then it goes <laughs> out and there's somebody making out in the bathroom. And it's like, it's very much like a party, um, like any kind of party that you would go to. And I feel like that that song kind of captures it. If I remember correctly, this is your favorite soundtrack or one of your favorite soundtracks. Do you play this one a lot at the bar? I have played it a lot at the bar, actually. Um, you know, it, it's a tricky one. It, it hits in a certain way. It's a, I, I would say it was one of the things I would play on a Sunday on the early side, or, you know, occasionally I might sneak it in on a Friday um, during happy hour. <laughs> but okay. it wouldn't be something, you know, our lovely curator, Daniel, uh, you know, I don't think he would necessarily put that straight into the mix all the time. Yeah. But when you're the DJ, you get to play with one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's such a great film. Obviously it's got some issues with, you know, uh, some racist yellow face stuff with Mickey Rooney. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I Um, mean, it's one of the things where, you know, I, it makes it very difficult to watch the film. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I rewatched it this week because I hadn't I, I have seen it many, many times before, but it had been a while. So I needed to remember everything. And just every time Mickey Rooney is on screen, I just oh, absolutely yeah. cringe. It's yeah. just uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're getting a little off topic, but I feel like also just part of the, the formula of rom-coms and like what what does that comedy look like uh, and in, in what form is it taking? And it's just like what's just so nefarious about it is like there's just no there's no they went out of their way to be racist with this character and it just doesn't you know 
Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I actually very rarely watch the film now for that very reason, because I just can't get past it, um, which is partly why I gravitate so much. And I think play the soundtrack a lot is that it's a way for me to kind of still get access to the film without participating in that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes total um, sense. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I very, I keep the record close to my heart and sort of have let the film maybe fall to the wayside, which I've had to do with a lot of rom-coms because a lot of them are very dated and either have like racism or misogyny or homophobia, yeah. just like all built into it. And very subtle ways, but in ways that are, you know, I think in our current times really stand out and make you question like, wow, that was normal to me when I was a child. That's, yeah. that's, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's uh, move ahead actually to a, mm-hmm. uh, a film that I think probably aged a little better as far as that's concerned. <laughs> uh, we're going to fast forward to 1999, uh, another rom-com with literary origins, Um, and a great soundtrack, Uh, and this selection comes at the beginning of the film. The film is 10 Things I Hate About You, Um, and when you hear the song, you'll know what scene we're talking about. I love this one. Uh, Bad Reputation by Joan Jett um, was used to introduce the main protagonist, Kat Stratford. Uh, The film was released in 1999. It is a very 90s film. Uh, But the song is from uh, 1980 or 1981. Was this your first introduction? Was that the first time you ever heard Bad Reputation when you saw this movie? I honestly can't remember. Um, I would guess Yes, although I did grow up on MTV, so to the extent it might have appeared there, perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, I, I would say in all likelihood, I probably heard it for the first time in this movie. So it was 1999. You had just graduated high school. You were just getting out of high school yourself around that time. Yeah, I was 1999. I would have been, I believe, a freshman in college, maybe. I can't remember exactly when the film came out. So I assume Kat is a, is a senior, but I don't know why I assume that. They don't think they really say what grade she's in. But like, I think she uh, is. Yeah. Yeah. So was she a character that you related to? Yes. And, you know, I would say I my inner personality related to her. Um, I was exceedingly shy. And, you know, I would say kind of a wallflower in high school and definitely would never have been as bold as that character. So in a way, it was kind of like all rom-coms, my way of um, being able to express that side of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just, you know, I was a Shakespeare nerd in high school, too. I loved, I read all his play, his or her plays, whoever read this. Um, I loved any movie based on it. You know, I used to go up to the Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. Um, oh, so wow. You really were a Shakespeare nerd. I was a nerd. total nerd. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. I don't know how I never knew that about you. Um, I never read uh, Taming of the Shrew, but what I read about Taming of the Shrew is that it's uh, kind of misogynistic, and somehow the filmmakers, the the screenwriters, managed to take that and turn this into a feminist narrative, I guess. And and that kind of comes through in 
bad reputation, like immediately it establishes mm-hmm. her character as this total badass. Um, you know, the the woman, it's the, the young woman that she is and probably the young woman that someone like you and me, even though I was older, want to be. We want, mm-hmm. we want to exude like that feminist power that she projected. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and the reputation thing also, it was probably why this song resonated so much with me from the soundtrack is, you know, reputation is huge in the Pakistani community. It's like, you know, you need to set a good example for your younger cousins and, you know, every last thing you say and do reflects upon your family. So the idea of being able to say like, screw it. I want to be whoever I want to be. And I don't care about my reputation. Um, you know, I, I guess you could say I, uh, released some feelings every time I listened to that song as, yeah. a, as a young person. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is that like, I, I didn't see this movie when it came out. Part of it might be because, you know, I'm not really a rom-com person, but also I feel like that at the time that it came out, it was, you know, I knew it was, it was a teen rom-com. So it was, you know, high school and I was, in my mid twenties and I wasn't really interested in reliving my high school experience or seeing movies that like, you know, who's this movie really for? It's not really for me. And I also kind of feel like maybe I was going through like a snobby indie movie phase Mm. or whatever, but like Mm -hmm. watching it now, even though it's dated or whatever, um, it, I thought it was great. I really loved it. Um, you know, despite, and there's some isms in this one too. There's definitely sexism. I I don't know if I would have reacted towards Kat the same way because I think back then I might have thought that she was too oh she's laying it on too thick or like this is a caricature of like um you know feminist power young girl or whatever but now the looking at it now through like 2021 eyes I see it more as like this is great because she's someone who is she's still kind of finding her way in the world but she's you know she's assertive and she's uh you get the sense that the world is going to bend to her instead of she needs to bend to the world. And I think mm-hmm. that's what what's kind of enduring about the movie. And that I, in a way, that's kind of captured in Bad Reputation. Totally. Um, I, that's a spot-on review of the film. And, you know, it kind of is one of those ones that holds up a little bit for me. You know, I can actually watch that as an adult and, and take away new things from it. It's also just fascinating to think about how, you know, young women of today have – you, you kind of see how much things have changed. It's like back then when we were watching that, like when I watched that movie, that didn't exist. Like w- women didn't speak mm-hmm. out like that or couldn't speak out at like that to that level at that age at that time. And today it's almost the norm, which is just so amazing and incredible to see how much progress we've made, albeit in some dire circumstances, like we're still not out of the woods as women, but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just nice to know that at least it, I almost think it's like at least young women today wouldn't necessarily have to um, see that character as so amazing and so surprising uh, because it's, it's much more normal to like yeah. just use your voice um, and be who you are. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of young women today where I'm like, man, I wish I had half the confidence you had when I was your age. Um, so, okay. So let's actually move into the next movie. Um, so the the next song you've selected comes from uh, a movie that's not just a rom-com, but also a love letter to hip hop. Love is his, this is mine. My 
brown sugar i would i would potentially say this is top three rom-coms of all time <laughs> oh really okay i've seen it an excessive amount <laughs> yeah yeah wow i mean i can kind of i can kind of see that knowing knowing who you are and your your taste in music and movies that totally makes sense again this was a film that i had not seen until i was prepping for this episode earlier this week um and i really enjoyed it too what was interesting to me is that so this film came out in 2002 2002 was an interesting time because it was just it was just post 9-11 there's no mention of it in the film except for there's one insert shot towards the end where you see the city skyline, Manhattan skyline at night, and you see those two beams of light that they shone in in place before they built the new World Trade Center. And that's when, as I was watching this movie, I was reminded like, oh shit, it's 2002. Mm-hmm. And here's this movie that takes place in New York. The song in the film, the, so the song kind of tells the, the, lyrically it tells the story of the film. What are you hearing and what are you relating to when you hear the lyrics of this song? You know, I- I think what I liked about the song is it felt very easy and like a mature form of love, um, a very content form of love rather than like the more chaotic, unrequited kind of situation. Um, It's an interesting movie because it's got such an incredible soundtrack, but I don't necessarily correlate the music to specific scenes. Like I honestly – almost even now after watching it 40 times, couldn't quite tell you where the song appears in the movie. It doesn't. It doesn't appear until the end credits. Oh, is that why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Well, it kind of makes sense because the lyrics, like I said, it tells the story of the song. So in a way, if it played any sooner, it would... It would contain spoilers, although That's I mean, true. <laughs> what could you call it? Everybody, you know, if if the couple doesn't get to, you know, she says, you know, he was my friend and then he became the love of my life. Of course, that's what's going to happen in the movie because that's what happens in rom-coms and any mo- any rom-com where that didn't happen at the end. It's like, well, that's a that's a sucky movie. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, I would argue there's a couple out there where they don't end up together and I won't say the names of them, but um, just in case someone's going to watch them. Uh, but so- I, I do think there's a place for rom-coms where, you know, the people end up going their separate ways because that's also a part of the story of love. It's like you can, you know, we all have loves of our lives where we didn't necessarily – end up with a person they weren't right for us like and it makes total sense um but but yeah I think you know for the most part you want to see the people end up together yeah this is Um, one of those movies where you definitely want to see them oh a huge disappointment if they didn't (laughs) um but yeah I you know I'm trying to think of what like musically at the time what was happening what was happening in music what was happening in 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 hip-hop and r&b in 2002 for anyone who hasn't seen it so sanaa lathan and uh, tay diggs are the leads and he is a um producer for a big label and she's a a hip-hop journalist a music journalist you know they want to kind of go back to the roots of you know why they loved hip-hop and um especially tay diggs's characters which i can't remember like he's trying to find something real and hip-hop has become more commercial and i don't know if that's kind of reflective of what a lot of people were thinking at the time in 2002 what were your what were your the music the hip-hop on offer in 2002 yeah you know it's funny I was a I was in LA at the time um and I was sort of I was splitting my party time between hip-hop 
clubs and the uh, electronic music kind of rave scene. So my musical wheelhouse was a little all over the board. Um, and yeah, it was it was a time where it was like really cheesy, you know, cheesifying of hip hop and R and B um, into kind of like club songs. It almost felt like, and I thought that part of the thing that resonated about this movie was just it was based on the classics and, um, you know, it had Queen Latifah and most stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it also harkened back to like that, even that concept as I was graduating college that year of, you know, trying to find a job and a career that was meaningful and, and not capitalized and not cheesified. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um it was a it was an interesting time. Um I mean, I don't know what it was that drew me to the movie, but I think it was the combination of like it centering around music is like the yeah. key component of the plot. Um and the fact that it was two best friends that were doing that dance of like will we or will we not end up together and how do you not ruin your friendship because at that time in my life I think that was like the only exposure to romance I'd had was all falling in love with your best friend, but you mm. never quite end up together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have what my one note on the film is um, I kind of wish they spent a little bit more time on their childhood. Like mm. it's just that one quick scene where like they meet at that cipher where, you know, Slick Rick. And uh, it's just, it's a really, really short scene. And mm-hmm. and then it fast forward to when they were adults and I kind of wanted them to spend a little more time in the past. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I, I agree. I almost, I would also lo- have loved to see like a little snippet of their teen years or a little more of their teen years yeah, or like, like other. that long history that they had yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, this. Well, anyway, the song is great. It's it's her it's her ode to hip hop, and mm-hmm. and the, the the main characters obviously um, are are in love with with each other, and also with this music that connected them. Um, I love how it you know like you're talking about like the hearkening back and the, the production of the song is, it's Raphael Sadiq, and he's just so good at that. I think that's mm-hmm. him playing bass. So. Um, it's anyway. a great. It's such a great song. I I feel like I think I watched the music video almost as much as I watched the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, the mu- the the music video is great because it's her. Is that really? Her, is that Erica Badu really breakdancing in the beginning? I'm pretty sure it is. Wow, she's so good. Yeah. But that was also 20 years ago, and that's just kind of crazy that 20 years have <laughs> totally. passed. Totally, I know. Um. So, okay, I want to uh, move us ahead to another, uh, I guess, sort of yuppie rom-com where, you know, it's it's young professionals falling in love. Um, This one is from 2005. Uh, This is interesting. You have selected Hitch, (laughs) starring Will Smith and and, uh, Eva Mendes. And what's even more interesting is is the song that you chose... um, is once again you didn't you didn't go for one of the obvious choices here. So let's take a, a pause and listen to this for a second. So that is one of the 
mega hits of the early aughts that I was completely ignorant of. Um, that's uh, Turn Me On by Kevin Little. I don't know if you want to talk about the scene that it appears in because it's kind of it was kind of subtle to me. Was it was it just the song or was it the scene? Or both? It's it's definitely the song. I mean, the scene. I feel like it's a rather innocuous scene. Like I think they're just in a bar. Um, yeah, and, and they're bar- playing. It's cool. barely audible in a yeah. way. Um, you know, obviously, I think most people when they think of Hitch think of that Usher song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's funny. I mean, this is a movie where, like, in two thousand. Five when I watched it, I was like, "This is a terrible movie. I, it's embarrassing to even call it a rom-com. I'll never watch this again." What? what? Why did you like it? I have no idea. To be honest, I must have just watched it in a weird <laughs> mood, <laughs> and I didn't watch it again for years. And I want to say, you know, I think it was your fortieth birthday. So what year would have that been? Oh, don't date me. Oh, sh- oh sorry. I, no, um, I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> So anyway, yes, you, you watched it many years later. Yeah, watched and- it many years later. Uh, my friend uh, Tim, our mutual good friend Tim, had slept over at our house after an all-night party and forced me and Dan to watch it in the morning. And I was like, oh, wow. this Why? is actually Because he loves the movie? It's his favorite. It's one of his oh. favorites. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I got to have this conversation about yeah. Tim. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Um, and I was like, fine, we'll watch it. And I remember just like hate watching it, but also secretly being like, why did I ever not like this movie? It's amazing. <laughs> and it's yes. got the cheesiest soundtrack. You know, it's got all of the kind of quintessential, just, you know, obvious selections for a rom-com from the time and, you know, some songs from yesteryears. I think there's an Earth, Wind, and Fire track on there. Uh, reasons. Um, they have uh, Heavy D, uh, Now That We Found Love. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Amory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's this Kevin Little song, which I, I'd never heard yeah. before. Um, were you kind of a uh, – this is a Soka stu- uh, tune, and he's kind of like a Soka – superstar I guess and I don't know that much about Soka but what are you is this were you in your club days were you like really into this yeah oh my god yes this song I loved this song um I don't know I honestly um you know I'll admit I don't under, know that term Soka um is that it's like, like calypso um it's it's kind of like modern day calypso okay sort of dance hall ish okay yeah. okay yeah 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 gotcha um, yeah, I was actually at the time, at that time I was going to dance hall clubs. I don't know if you remember that, like, uh, Bisop Bobab in the mission. Yeah. Um, they used to have a dance hall night. Uh, but yeah, that song Rihanna had just come out around that time too. She was just starting to blow up. Um, uh, yeah, I, I loved that song separate than the movie. And it was, it was fun to kind of discover after the fact that it was a part of that movie. <laughs> So uh, I'm kind of noticing a little bit of a, I guess, a, a pattern. Um, and I don't know if it's something that you've known. If you, with the exception of Breakfast of Tiffany's, of course, these films that we've just talked about, they kind of chart out the timeline of your own professional and perhaps romantic life where you yeah. thought you were or where you saw yourself at the time. Was that right? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, the, the only section exception I would say to that rule is Hitch just because – I watched it so much after the fact and started liking it after the fact. Um, so I didn't necessarily like it when I was uh, alive in 2005. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think that's 
that's honestly what draws me to the movie, uh, the genre of rom-com so much is that it is kind of how I sort of channel that side of myself and like relate whatever I'm going through at the time in life and love. Um, it's just such a great cathartic uh, way to process and express the emotions of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the other observation that I had, though. It, and actually, this is something that Steve pointed out. I didn't even notice this. But um, three out of your four rom-com selections uh, take place in New York City. As a California uh, girl, do you feel like you romanticize New York City? And, and why is that? A hundred percent. I grew up dreaming. I mean, honestly, kind of dating back to that breakfast at Tiffany's scene, the party scene. Um, I romanticized the idea of someday, like the minute that I was an adult moving to New York City, having an apartment, falling in love, throwing amazing parties, yeah. Yeah. Um, living and breathing music all day long. Um, and every step of the way in my kind of I guess you could say school and life and professional decisions, I was trying to get to New York. Um, it wasn't, I would say, until I, I guess until I met Dan that I realized that I'm pretty happy and like love the Bay Area and I don't I, I don't need to chase that dream anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's nice when you come to that realization. Yeah. And I mean, I'll never stop loving New York. It's such a great city, but um, you know, I, I don't see it as my eventual home anymore. Like I, I spent the first, you know, 28 to 30 years of my life thinking it would be. All right. Well, actually let's, let's talk about your life, Shireen. Um, Cause I think that's where this last, uh, this last uh, song selection comes in. Um, so this is not, uh, we're not necessarily going to talk about a movie that it's placed in, but a movie that you would like to place it in. So let's take a little listen. On the ground, head in the sky. It's okay. I know nothing's wrong. Nothing. Oh, I got plenty of time. Oh, you got light in your eyes. And you're standing in the sun. Okay, that's a song that I have long adored myself. This must be the place, Naive Melody by Talking Heads uh, from the 1983 album Speaking in Tongues. Uh, so I know that this song holds a special place in your heart. Do you want to talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, it's probably one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, you know, when Dan, my now husband and I first met, as everyone knows who Dan is, um, you know, I was just about to go to London for a very extended period of time for work. Um, I was kind of shocked I was even getting to go there for work because I was pretty early in my career. Um, and before I left, Dan made me a four-part mix CD. <laughs> and I played it walking along the River Thames uh, and like kind of I would play like a CD on the way to work and then I would play the next CD at home that night. And I just kind of like CDs. made it my CDs. Yeah. <laughs> in my CD Walkman. Um, and 
you know, it, it crazy enough, it was, even though of course I knew the talking heads, um, from the eighties, it was the first time I'd ever heard that song. It was the last song on the four part CD mix. Wow. And it was literally the thing that made me fall in love with Dan from thousands of miles away. I was like, I think I'm going to marry this guy. Cause this song, <laughs> Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And David Byrne is not he's certainly not one who's known to write love songs, but then he goes and greats one he he goes and writes one of the greatest ones. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and it's very it's very different from Talking Heads, right? Cuz they're like they're more I mean, uh everybody knows Talking Heads. I don't really need to explain <laughs> Talking Heads, but you know, it's polyrhythmic art rock. Um but what what's interesting about this song is they they actually the band members swapped instruments for this song really yeah so tina weymouth who is the bassist for the band she plays guitar uh david byrne plays the keyboards and jerry harrison who's um the keyboardist uh, he's on the synth bass so i think that's kind of what you're hearing in the song is that it's that's what makes it sound so different and it kind of captures that maybe they're a little um uh reluctant or anxious and it's kind of like a song about being newly in love and not trusting your feelings, being anxious about being loved. So I guess this must be the place. I, yeah, I, I don't think I realized until, you know, recently that what makes that song so, so different and so, so effective, I guess, as a love song. That's That's, I never knew that actually about the song. It, we can't say that it hasn't been used in any other rom-com because it has. (laughs) <laughs> which you taught me. I looked on Wikipedia and I always thought that I would be the first person to put it in a rom-com when I eventually make one. Um, and you, you told me it's actually in crazy stupid love, <laughs> which I have, I've, I've not seen this. I know you've seen it. You've got opinions. You've got uh, some yeah. notes. Yeah. It's not my, I wouldn't call it my favorite. It's one of those rom-coms. I like, like the holiday where half the rom-coms good. And the other half is just like, what is going on here? <laughs> And I don't think, you know, I don't think that the, the way they use the song in the film is not really necessarily in a romantic context. So no. you're going to reclaim it. I'm um, going to reclaim it. Yes, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you're putting it out there in the world. You want to make a you want to make a rom-com film. What do you want to tell us about this film that you're going to make? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I mean, I've had a few different plot lines running through my head through the years. I mean, I think I'll probably always land back on the classic of like, you know, Pakistani girl who has a lot of restrictions in her life in terms of love and romance and how that's supposed to go, uh, you know, ends up having that unrequited will they won't they with her best friend growing up and TBD on if they end up together. Um, (laughs) I might take a TBD. TBD. Um, But yeah, I, you know, it's one of those kind of pie in the sky things. Like I have no skills. I mean, I wouldn't say I have no skills, but obviously I'm not a writer. I've never written a screenplay. Wouldn't even know where to begin. Never owned Um, a hi-fi vinyl bar before either. I did not. That is true. And, you know, it helps that our entire mutual friend circle is in film and productions. <laughs> yeah, we'll make this movie with you. I think we could all make it together. Um, I think I just need to come up with the plot and then I'll send out the task for everyone. I mean, we've got people that can do the original score, the music supervision, uh, the cinematography. It's like we've got, you know, you can produce it. <laughs> we've got it all. 
Dream big. Dream big, Shireen. Swing I for the will. fences. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, like I said, you put it out there in the world. You have to make this movie happen. Um, so before I let you go, I know you had a tough time narrowing this list down. So you do you want to quickly list off some of the other uh, rom-coms with great soundtracks that you love? Yeah. I. You know, I love um, Guess Who, which is a, a kind of, I guess, modern-ish play on Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Um, Empire Records you know i i'm embarrassed it, to say i've not seen that it doesn't age well it's a oh. pretty like punk rock kind of soundtrack and and it's a highly emotional movie <laughs> um kind of overwrought but great soundtrack um high fidelity obviously i mean that mm-hmm. entire movie is about music um just kind of that classic record store obsessive music omnivore movie mm-hmm. um Obviously, all the kind of 80s Molly Ringwald classics have amazing soundtracks. I didn't pick any of those for, you know, just the obvious reasons. Um, And then, you know, the one that I've been really liking recently is Never Have I Ever, which is actually the TV. It's a TV series on Netflix um, featuring a young South Asian woman, but at a time when things are different and you can express yourself a lot more and be who you are with very, you know... I just I love seeing the world through that character's lens, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny. The soundtrack is amazing, but it definitely seems like it was the music supervisors my age, <laughs> yeah. Versus what I'm sure high schoolers today are not necessarily listening to the music that's in that show. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but that's something that I had thought about about all of these movies, where it's like. It may have the characters are, are in their teens or they're young, but the people making them are still older and mm-hmm. making the creative decisions around the music and stuff. So how reflective is that? But, you know, I, you know, regardless, I think those soundtracks still resonated with people those age mm-hmm. just for the fact due to the fact that it's in this awesome series that they like. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, as of this recording, I am only uh, four episodes into season two of Never Have I Ever, but I love it. And yeah, I was looking at the um, kind of looking through the soundtrack to see, you know, you know, there's all those websites that list out all the music that's in the series. I didn't know any of those songs, though, or the artists except for one. And I'm like, but that's kind of what that's what a good music supervisor uh, mm-hmm. supervisor does. Like they introduced, uh, you know, I was reading recently that like. That's where the new music discovery is coming now is from these films and series where um, music supervisors are placing these new songs. So, Yeah. I mean, I I would say, you know, when I'm watching a solid show on Netflix or HBO or whatever, which tend to have, you know, HBO tends to have really good music supervision um, and probably a really great music budget. uh, I often have Shazam just ready to go. Oh really? <laughs> I would say a lot of my Shazams are during while I'm watching film and TV. Um, yeah, I bet yeah. you're not alone in that. Anyway, Shireen, this was such an awesome conversation. I can't believe I've waited this long to have it with you, and I'm glad it was recorded. Actually, <laughs> thank um, you for having me. It was so course. fun to talk about, and I got to delve back into all of my favorite movies and some some kind of songs from my past for it. And if you love rom-coms like Shireen loves rom-coms, then you'll love the playlist she's put together featuring the five songs we discussed and many more. We're going to post the link on our Instagram. Are you not following us there yet? 
You should be. It's a great way to stay updated on our not too frequent podcast. Uh, we're going to share a link on our website too, uh, select5podcast.com. Thank you so much, Shireen, for taking us to the movies. Uh, you are likely to find Shireen at her nickname, Sake Bar. Follow their Instagram to find out what's up at Barshiru Oakland. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you are still listening at this point, you must really like the show. So why not let the world know? Leave us a review, a comment, subscribe, tell a friend. Help others discover this awesome podcast, too. We'd appreciate it. Select 5 is producer Kate Sullivan, technical producer Brian Douglas, and me, your humble host, Pam Torno. Until next time, folks, it's a crazy world out there. Stay healthy and safe. Bye-bye. <laughs>